0: I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and join me in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, and I want to speak to you about the practical principles of the Lord's Supper, the practical principles of the Lord's Supper, and this is just, as the title indicates, it's just very practical truths that the Lord's Supper teaches us, but it is not just information. God wants to engage us with His presence today. When you take the wafer and you take the juice, it is not that it is um, the body and the blood of Christ or that it becomes the body and blood of Christ when you ingest it, but they are symbols. They are symbols of the broken body and the shed blood of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. And the Apostle Paul talks about that in his letter to the church at Corinth. So follow with me today in your copy of God's Word, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, do you show the Lord's death until he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink the cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the blood, the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many, the King James says, sleep, but many, many are dead. So let's look today at the practical principles of the Lord's Supper. As I said to you, when you take the wafer in your hand today and you take the cup that represents the body of our Lord, They do not become the physical body and blood of Christ when you ingest it. Nor are they the body and the blood of Christ when you hold them in your hand. Um, They are symbols. And we use symbols all around us every day of our lives. I have a I have a symbol on my left hand third finger called a wedding ring. My wife gave this to me the day that we were married, and for all of these many years, a hundred or so years. It has been a symbol of our love and devotion to each other, a symbol of our marriage, a symbol of our fidelity, uh, one to another. And uh, this ring is hers, and she gave this to me to wear. Also, uh, on my right today, there's a symbol here in the auditorium. It is the American flag. And I look at the American flag, and I thank God for our country. You know, today is the 21st anniversary of September the 11th. And uh, praise God for those who have put themselves in harm's way, whether it be first responders, law enforcement, military personnel that help preserve the freedoms that our flag speaks to. But it is a symbol of our nation's freedom. It is a symbol of our nation's sovereignty. On my left-hand side is another flag. It is the Christian flag, which we use as a symbol of our faith. Inherently, there is nothing... Uh, powerful about that other than the fact that, th- that it is a symbol that represents the fact that we, we love the Christ of the cross. So when you come to the Lord's Supper and you take the wafer and you take the cup, those are symbols. Those are symbolic elements that represent the broken body and the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. They are, to me, they are vivid reminders of God's love They are vivid reminders of God's mercy, of God's grace. They are vivid reminders of His long-suffering, of His patience, of His kindness. They are vivid reminders to me that He'll never forget you. He will never leave you. He will never desert you. He will never betray you. But that He is the consummate friend who sticks closer than a brother. And in his love and his invitation, he invites us to come around the communion table and to take that wafer and to take that cup and to join him in this most solemn of ordinances. I said in the first service today, there are two ordinances that the scripture teaches us to observe. Two ordinances of the New Testament church. One is a one-time event called baptism. The other is a perpetual event. We do it on a regular basis. The Bible doesn't Uh, specify how regular or how often but we are to observe the Lord's Supper and we take the wafer we take the cup and in so doing we recognize that we've been part invited to be part of the family of God so if you are here today and if you don't know the Lord if you've never been saved listen I want you to know first of all that I love you and that our church loves you and my desire and the desire of this congregation is to see people saved And to see you saved, and more than anything else, that's God's desire, is to see you come into a personal relationship with him. So if you've never been saved today, the invitation is you come and be saved. But if you have not been saved, listen, I would say to you, the scripture is clear, do not take the communion elements this morning. Because it is reserved for the family of God. It is not that you are not invited, everybody is invited. It is that there is a process and first of all, you're to be saved. And once you're saved, then you come around the table and you take the cup and you take the bread as symbols of the broken body and the shed blood of our Savior. Also, if you're here today and you are a Christian, maybe you have some things in your life that has caused a distance to come between you and the Lord then my uh, word to you today would be to ask God to remove that distance from you. The Scripture tells us that we're to examine ourselves, to make sure that we are where we should be with the Lord before we take these elements into our body. Um, But if you don't do that, then I would advise you not to take the communion elements because you would be doing so in a disrespectful manner. But more than anything else, if you don't know the Lord or if you're walking away from the Lord, you make things right with Him before you take the communion elements. Um, this is something that every Christian is invited to do. This is not only something we're invited to do, but you know, actually it's something we're commanded to do. Every Christian is expected to participate in the Lord's Supper. Every Christian is encouraged and really commanded to allow this to be part of the spiritual disciplines in our life. And for a Christian to go for... For a long, 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 long time, unless they're providentially hindered, some some uh, unforeseen circumstances, but they do not receive the Lord's um, communion just because they don't want to or they're unconcerned, speaks to an unhealthy spiritual walk with the Lord. So today what we want to do is move into a deeper, more committed love relationship with our Lord as we look at some very practical principles about the Lord's Supper. And again, this is not new. This is just very practical principles that you find here in Paul's letter to the church at Corinth. So you may want to jot these down. I'm going to give you four of them this morning just before we uh, partake of the Lord's Supper. The first one is a principle of thanksgiving. A principle of thanksgiving. If you will, look in verse 23 and verse 24. Paul writes, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Notice this. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, distributed it. It is a principle of thanksgiving. Jesus demonstrated thankfulness and thanksgiving. As he took that bread and he began to break that and to divide it among his men. And when we come around the table, and when you take those elements today, what you're to do is to do it with a heart of gratitude, a heart of thanksgiving for all that the Lord has done for us. Back in the 19th century, Ireland was stricken by a severe potato famine. And because of that, there were many... Irish people who left Ireland and they migrated to the United States and they would many of them would hide out on ships that were crossing the Atlantic and come into the United States that way one particular little boy was a stowaway and he was hiding down where nobody would ever find him trying to leave Ireland and start a new life here in the United States but unfortunately the ship that he was on struck an iceberg and the ship began to take on water and in a frantic way Uh, All the passengers began to put the lifeboats overboard. They began to fill up the lifeboats as quickly as possible. And the captain was the last one off the ship onto the lifeboat as it began to paddle away from the sinking ship. This one little boy who remained, no one even knew he was there, began to work his way out from the, the cavity of that sinking ship up to the bow just before it was to go down. And he caught the captain's eye. And the captain ordered the lifeboat to be rowed back toward that sinking ship. And the captain gets into the water and takes this little boy, puts him in the lifeboat, and gives him the final seat that is available on that lifeboat. It was the seat that the captain himself had occupied. The captain gave that little boy the seat just before he would go down with a sinking ship. And just before the captain went to his watery grave, he yells at the little boy as the lifeblood is paddling away, and he says to him, Son, don't ever forget what has been done for you on this day. When you and I take the communion elements, what we are saying to the Lord is, I don't ever want to forget what you have done for me when you went to the cross. And died for me. We want to have a heart of thanksgiving and gratitude. I mean, where would we be were it not for the Lord? Where would it be were it not for His amazing grace and His steadfast love? And he says to us as we take that wafer in one hand and the cup in the other, we do it with a heart of thanksgiving because that is a very practical principle of receiving the Lord's cup, the Lord's cup and, the, and the Lord's communion. Jesus did that as he distributed it to his men and he asks as well that you and I come before him with thankful, grateful hearts filled with gratitude. Even... If all the physical blessings that you and I have were stripped away from us, even if everything that we own was suddenly gone, we would still have a great deal to be thankful for, right? Because there's elements in this spiritual life of ours that nothing can touch. We have eternal life. We have a home in heaven. We have a Savior who loves us with an everlasting love. Those are things that the Bible says nothing can ever take away from us. Nothing can ever strip uh, from you. So we come around this table, and it is an act of thanksgiving. We are recognizing that Jesus didn't have to go to the cross. He didn't have to endure the flogging. He didn't have to endure the whipping. He didn't have to endure the insults and the humiliation and the rejection of mankind. But he willingly allowed that to be um, carried out on his body. So you and I could be part of His forever family. So when we take communion today, I encourage you to do it with a heart that is filled with thanksgiving. Gratitude for what He's done for us. Do you know when when Jesus took that bread and He began to break the bread and He distributed it to His disciples, and I just can just see Him in my mind's eye there in in that upper room in that Seneca, and He breaks that bread and He begins to give it to one of His men right after the other and then the other and then the other and then the other. And what he's doing is he is looking into the eyes and into the faces of some broken men and some broken lives. And today when we take that wafer, we're taking it as broken people living in a broken world with broken emotions, maybe if you're sick, broken bodies, maybe in your marriage it's a broken marriage or you have other broken relationships in your life, the whole world is broken. But Jesus came to make whole that which was broken, and for that we can be most thankful. The Bible teaches us that as he came into Jerusalem on a particular day, that he looked out across the city, and he saw religious hypocrisy of those who were supposed to be the, the religious leaders of Israel. But he said, I've sent you the prophets, and you have stoned them. He said that I've sent you generation after generation of prophet, and you have rejected them. And Jesus, the Bible says, began to weep these copious tears because he knew that these were people who were like lost sheep who had no shepherd. And the Bible says that Jesus said these words, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. And he has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, the recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He comes to a broken world, to broken people, to broken lives, and gives us that bread of life, and for that we are to be eternally. So, the first principle of the Lord's Supper, the first practical principle, is come around the table with thanksgiving. Secondly, let me say, the second principle is a principle of reflection. That when you take those communion elements in your hand this morning, what we are to do is to reflect back on, on the past, on life before Christ, and reflect back on what Christ did to bring us to where we are today. Let me show you. Look in verse 24 And when he had given thanks, he break it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Notice he says, this do in remembrance of me. Paul records that Jesus said that twice. He says it here in verse 24 and then again in verse 25. In remembrance of me. We engrave that on our communion table. This do in remembrance of me. Because when we take these elements today, we are remembering The high cost of our salvation. We are remembering that we are not redeemed by corruptible things like silver and gold, but by the life and the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we reflect on that. Do you know that, that the Lord Jesus never asks us to remember, say, a date, if you will, He doesn't ask us to remember the location. He doesn't ask us to remember a cast of characters or a band of characters or a crew who were on the scene that day. You know what he asks us to remember? He said, remember me. Isn't that very personal when he says that? He says, remember, remember me. Because what he was saying to his disciples is that I desire to have a relationship with you. That's why Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. Jesus says, I want you to remember, remember me. When you take this bread, remember what I've done to make you part of my family. Hold your place here, and uh, let me invite you to back up to the Gospel of John, chapter 6, for just a moment. In John's Gospel, Jesus gives a number of what we call I Am statements. There are seven of them, as a matter of fact. He says in the Gospel of John, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches, as you heard in that video this morning. Uh, He said, I am the good shepherd. A number of times, Jesus uses those words, I am. In chapter 6, he says, I am the bread of life. Notice, if you will, chapter 6, verse 32. Then Jesus said to them, Verily I say to you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God, look at this, is he which comes down from heaven, talking about himself, and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me shall never thirst. Let me stop right there for just a moment and say, if you don't know the Lord, you will never be truly satisfied in this world. There will always be a hunger in your soul for more than what this world offers you. If you don't know the Lord, you could have a great job, a great career, a great family, but there will still be a hollow ring in your heart because I think it was Augustine that said that there's a God-shaped void in the heart of every person and it can only be filled by relationship with our Creator. Jesus said, I am the bread of life and anyone who would eat this bread Would never be hungry again. Go down to verse number 41. The Jews murmured at him because he said, I'm the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he said, I came down from heaven? And Jesus answered and said to them, Murmur not among yourselves. Go down to verse 47. Verily I say to you, he that believes on me has everlasting life. I am... He says, the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven, and if any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Now go back to the book. Of Corinthians for just a moment, if you will. So he says that uh, this is the principle of reflection. That we reflect upon the fact that Jesus is the bread of life for us. And he came to satisfy the gnawing ache and the hunger of every man's life. That's why he says, Do this in remembrance of me. Reflect back on that, that principle of reflection. And remember that Jesus has invited you into a love relationship with him. Do you know before the fall in the Garden of Eden, the Bible says everything was absolutely paradise. There was harmony in the animal kingdom. There was harmony between Adam and and Eve. There was harmony between Adam and Eve and God. And the whole world was a beautiful paradise. But when Adam sinned, the Bible says that Adam broke the world. When he sinned... um, thorns began to infect the ground. When he sinned, animals began to fight with each other. All of nature was was forced into an upheaval because it was now no longer in fellowship with its creator. But when Jesus came as the bread of life to lay down his life for the sins of the world, what he came to do was to fix everything that Adam broke when he disobeyed God. We live in the backwash of that. That's why we live in a world of violence and and, uh, sorrow and hurt and disappointment and struggle and sin. It's because our world is is broken. And the people who live in the world, listen, we're all broken. But Jesus as the bread of life comes to, to make us whole. And when we take these communion elements, we're to reflect on the fact that, yes, I'm broken. But I don't have to stay that way. Because my life is now hidden in Christ and that he he has made whole what the devil has broken. The Bible says whereas by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all because all have sinned. The same sin that brought death to all men has been eradicated by the death and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says that he crushed the head of Satan and put him to an open shame when he rose again from the grave. So there is the principle of thanksgiving. There is the practical principle of reflection for the Lord's Supper. Let me give you the third one very quickly. There is the principle of proclamation. The principle of proclamation. What do I mean by that? I mean just what Paul said, that we're to proclaim this gospel message. It's the good news The death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Savior. Go to uh, verse number 26. He writes, For as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, look at this, you do show or you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Every time we meet together and take the Lord's Supper, what are we doing? We are demonstrating to this world and to one another that we know that there is a future hope that we have. We are demonstrating that though this world is terribly broken, it will not always be broken, that our Lord one of these days is going to return, come again, and he's going to set right everything that Adam has messed up. Years ago, Fanny Crosby, we all know her as a a blind hymn writer. She wrote many, many hymns. Uh, She was actually born seeing, if I understand correctly, but within just a few weeks, uh, she was blinded by uh, an eye um, infection, and for the balance of her life, after just a few weeks of sight as a baby, uh, she lived the remainder of her life blind. And she wrote many, 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 many hymns, and she was a great blessing to those who knew her. But one particular man said to her one day, he said, um, "He said, Miss Fanny, I am so sorry." that you have been blind all of these years and you've never got to see the beauty of God's creation. And she said to him, Oh, if I could wish for anything in life, it would be that I would never see. Because, she said, when I get to heaven, the first face that I will ever see is the face of my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I used to serve a church that had a fairly large um, deaf ministry. And we had a couple of ladies who would interpret the services. As I would preach, they would interpret for the hearing impaired. And I remember trying to be a minister to those with the hearing impaired. And I'm not the best in the world at, um, at sign language. I could do a few signs just when I go to the hospital to see them. Or I've done a couple of their funerals. But I remember a couple of them that I, that I officiated their funerals. And I'm thinking to myself, as soon as they take the last breath here and they... Breathe in that celestial air in heaven that the first voice they will hear is that of the Lord Jesus. That's pretty awesome, is it not? That the first voice you hear is like Dottie Rambo said. It is a voice so sweet that the birds hush their singing. We come around and we take these communion elements today. We're doing this through the practical principle that we are proclaiming. The death and resurrection of our Savior and His future return. One of Fanny Crosby's songs was, Jesus, keep me near the cross. This is what it said. Jesus, keep me near the cross. There's a precious fountain free to all the healing stream that flows from Calvary's mountain. Did you get that? Jesus, keep me near the cross. There's a precious fountain free to all a healing stream that flows from Calvary's mountain. That upon the cross, it would not just simply be the death of Jesus that brought salvation to the world. But listen, church, it had to be the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. The Bible says that the life of the flesh is is in the blood. And Jesus could not have just simply died of an accident. He could not have died as an old man. He could not have have died of anything outside his control. He willingly laid down his life and shed his blood, and his blood was like Emmanuel's veins, a fountain filled with blood, where sinners could be plunged, and be cleansed from all of their guilty stains. We proclaim that. That's why we send missionaries, and that's why we support missionaries, and that's why we pray for missionaries, and that's why we go as missionaries, and that's why we witness is because we want others to know that there is wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus. So we proclaim that until he returns. Listen to what the Bible says in Colossians 1. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether there are things in heaven or in earth, and to make peace through his blood that was shed on the cross. Paul writes, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's blood through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from all accusation. So as the Lord Jesus hangs upon the cross of Calvary... And sheds his precious blood, it is that blood that washes away all of our guilty stains. So, this practical principles of the Lord's Supper, it is a principle of thanksgiving, a principle of reflection, a principle of proclamation. And then finally, let me say to you that it is a principle of self examination. The principle of self examination, look what he writes in verse 27. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of the body and the blood. But notice what he says. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many have died. When you do that self-inventory, that self-examination of your own personal life, if we don't see sin in our life, it's not because it's not there. It's because we are no longer recognizing it. And part of that self-examination is we ask the Lord to reveal to us any wicked way that is, that is in us, any attitude, any lifestyle, any grudge, any whatever it might be, any stronghold that we're dealing with in our life, we ask the Lord, God, reveal that to me, and then I pray that you'll give me victory over that. That's that self-examination because we don't want there to be anything between us and the Lord when we, when we observe these communion elements because Paul would write and he would say, if we do that, then we're observing the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. You see, the Bible says, if we confess our sins... He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And what we're to do is we're to come before the Lord and agree with him that, yes, Lord, there are things there that shouldn't be there. I confess and I ask for your forgiveness and for your blood to cleanse me. And the Bible says that he will wash us and he will cleanse us. It's called the believer's bar of soap. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want to invite you, if you will, to take that little self-contained communion cup that you've been given. And again, we've been using these since the days of COVID. Um, But as you take that, there is a a piece of cellophane on the very top. I would invite you, if you will just peel off the top one that would just reveal the wafer, not both layers, but just the top one that would reveal the wafer, please. And when you take that wafer, remember it is not the body of Jesus, but it is a symbol of his body. Like my wedding ring is a symbol of my marriage. Like these flags, symbol of our country or a symbol of our faith. This is a symbol of the body. Of Jesus, do you know really when the Bible talks about it being broken, it's a reference to his uh, to the bread and not necessarily the body of Jesus, because we know that Jesus' body was crushed, we know his body was bruised, we know his body was battered, we know that he was tortured to death, but the Scripture says not even a bone in his body was broken, because one of the qualifications for a suitable sacrifice in the Old Testament was that no bones of the sacrificial animal could be broken. Jesus, the Lamb of God, dying on the cross of Calvary for the sins of the world, not a bone in his body was broken. But he does take this bread and he gives it to the disciples and he breaks it and he looks into the broken lies and he says, I want you to take this and divide it among yourselves, Because in the Gospels, he says, this is my body that is given for you. Take just a moment as we pray together. Thank him reflect Father God we want to thank you for the brokenness of our Savior he was wounded for our transgressions bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him God as we hold this bread in our hands today. It reminds us just as we take this into our bodies that we have received you into our lives and that you are our bread of life. Bless this your people as we observe this bread in Jesus name. Amen. In the words of Jesus this do in remembrance of me. And then if you would, please just peel back that next piece of cellophane and that would reveal the, the juice. And uh, again, it is a symbol of the shed blood of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Simon Peter said, We were not redeemed by corruptible things like silver and gold from our vain conversations, but by the precious blood of a lamb. The choir sang this morning so beautifully. What can wash away my sin? As part of that medley they did, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Only Jesus was God incarnate, God with human skin, and had God's blood coursing through his veins that had never been tainted by the sin of Adam. And only the blood of Jesus is sufficient to wash away our sins. Lord, as we hold this cup in our hands today and we reflect, thank you for what you've done for us, for wearing the crown of thorns, for allowing spikes to be driven into your hands and into your feet, for allowing the spear wound to bring blood from your side. And Lord, right now as we take this, we know that you have risen from the grave And that right now in heaven, Lord Jesus, you are there with those same visible scars. The wounds, the scars that remind us of what you've done for our redemption. Thank you for this cup today. Bless this, your people, as we observe this and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. In the words of Jesus, this do in remembrance of me. In a moment, we're going to have a, an invitation. And in this invitation, listen carefully. If you're here and you, you've not been saved, I want you to come this morning and I want you to be saved. I'll, I'll pray with you. Pastor Jim will pray with you. We'll lead you to faith in Christ. Or maybe you're here and you want to unite with our church. You're already a Christian. You come. You're welcome. But now listen. Maybe as a Christian today, you just want to come and you want to kneel at this altar And in thanksgiving, say, thank you, Lord, for what you've done for me. Let's stand together. Lord, thank you so much for meeting with us this day, for the shed blood and the broken body that brings salvation and redemption. Take now this invitation, God. I pray, Lord, that you would use it in a way that would honor you and praise you and that you would move upon the hearts of your people to respond in a way that would bring you honor and glory. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.